Section forty four of The Life of Samuel Johnson, Volume three. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Life of Samuel Johnson, Volume three by James Boswell, Section forty four. This was exceedingly entertaining to the company who were present, and many a time afterwards it furnished a pleasant topic of merriment. The ambassador says well became a laughable term of applause when no mighty matter had been expressed. I left London on Monday, October the 18th, and accompanied Colonel Stuart to Chester, where his regiment was to lie for some time. Mr. Boswell to Dr. Johnson, Chester, October the 22nd, 1779. My dear sir, it was not till one o'clock on Monday morning that Colonel Stuart and I left London, for we chose to bid a cordial adieu to Lord Mount Stuart, who was to set out on that day on his embassy to Turin. We drove on excellently and reached Lichfield in good time enough that night. The Colonel had heard so preferable a character of the George that he would not put up at the Three Crowns, so that I did not see our host, Wilkins. We found at the George as good accommodation as we could wish to have, and I fully enjoyed the comfortable thought that I was in Lichfield again. Next morning it rained very hard and as I had much to do in a little time, I ordered a post-chase, and between eight and nine sallied forth to make a round of visits. I first went to Mr. Green, hoping to have had him to accompany me to all my other friends, but he was engaged to attend the Bishop of Sodor and Man, who was then lying at Lichfield very ill of the gout. Having taken a hasty glance at the additions to Green's museum, from which it was not easy to break away, I next went to the friary, where I at first occasioned some tumult in the ladies who were not prepared to receive company so early. But my name, which has by wonderful felicity come to be closely associated with yours, soon made all easy. And Mrs. Cobb and Miss Adye reassumed their seats at the breakfast table, which they had quitted with some precipitation. They received me with the kindness of an old acquaintance, and after we had joined in a cordial chorus to your praise, Mrs. Cobb gave me the high satisfaction of hearing that you said, Boswell is a man who I believe never left a house without leaving a wish for his return and she afterwards added that she bid you tell me that if ever I came to Lichfield, she hoped I would take a bed at the Friary. From thence I drove to Peter Garrick's, where I also found a very flattering welcome. He appeared to me to enjoy his usual cheerfulness, and he very kindly asked me to come when I could and pass a week with him. From Mr. Garrick's I went to the palace to wait on Mr. Seward. 
i was first entertained by his lady and daughter he himself being in bed with a cold according to his valetudinary custom but he desired to see me and i found him dressed in his black gown with a white flannel nightgown above it so that he looked like a dominican friar he was good-humoured and polite and under his roof too my reception was very pleasing i then proceeded to stowe hill and first paid my respects to mrs gastrell whose conversation i was not willing to quit but my sand-glass was now beginning to run low as i could not trespass too long on the colonel's kindness who obligingly waited for me so i hastened to mrs astons whom i found much better than i feared i should and there i met a brother-in-law of these ladies who talked much of you and very well too as it appeared to me it then only remained to visit mrs lucy porter which i did i really believe with sincere satisfaction on both sides i am sure i was glad to see her again and as i take her to be very honest i trust she was glad to see me again for she expressed herself so that i could not doubt of her being in earnest what a great keystone of kindness my dear sir were you that morning for we were all held together by our common attachment to you i cannot say that i ever passed two hours with more self-complacency than i did those two at lichfield let me not entertain any suspicion that this is idle vanity will you not confirm me in my persuasion that he who finds himself so regarded has just reason to be happy we got to chester about midnight on tuesday and here again i am in a state of much enjoyment colonel stuart and his officers treat me with all the civility i could wish and i play my part admirably Laetus aliis sapiensibi the classical sentence which you i imagine invented the other day is exemplified in my present existence the bishop to whom i had the honour to be known several years ago shows me much attention and i am edified by his conversation i must not omit to tell you that his lordship admires very highly your prefaces to the poets i am daily obtaining an extension of agreeable acquaintance so that i am kept in animated variety and the study of the place itself by the assistance of books and of the bishop is sufficient occupation chester pleases my fancy more than any town i ever saw but i will not enter upon it at all in this letter how long i shall stay here i cannot yet say i told a very pleasing young lady footnote miss letitia barnston end of footnote niece to one of the prebendaries at whose house i saw her i have come to chester madam i cannot tell how and far less can i tell how i am to get away from it do not think me too juvenile i beg it of you my dear sir to favour me with a letter while i am here and add to the happiness of a happy friend who is ever with affectionate veneration most sincerely yours james boswell
if you do not write directly so as to catch me here i shall be disappointed two lines from you will keep my lamp burning bright footnote at chester i passed a fortnight in mortal felicity i had from my earliest years a love for the military life and there is in it an animation and relish of existence which i have never found among any other set of men except players with whom you know i once lived a great deal at the mess of colonel stuart's regiment i was quite the great man as we used to say and i was at the same time all joyous and gay i never found myself so well received anywhere the young ladies there were delightful and many of them with capital fortunes had i been a bachelor i should certainly have paid my addresses to a chester lady End of footnote. to james boswell esq dear sir why should you importune me so earnestly to write of what importance can it be to hear of distant friends to a man who finds himself welcome wherever he goes and makes new friends faster than he can want them if to the delight of such universal kindness of reception anything can be added by knowing that you retain my goodwill you may indulge yourself in the full enjoyment of that small addition i am glad you made the round of lichfield with so much success the oftener you are seen the more you will be liked it was pleasing to me to read that mrs aston was so well and that lucy porter was so glad to see you in the place where you now are there is much to be observed and you will easily procure yourself skilful directors but what will you do to keep away the black dog that worries you at home footnote mrs thrale wrote to johnson from brighton in seventeen seventy eight i have lost what made my happiness in all seasons of the year but the black dog shall not make prey of both my master and myself my master swims now and forgets the black dog johnson replied i shall easily forgive my master his long stay if he leaves the dog behind him we will watch as well as we can that the dog shall never be let in again for when he comes the first thing he does is to worry my master End of footnote. if you would in compliance with your father's advice inquire into the old tenures and old charters of scotland you would certainly open to yourself many striking scenes of the manners of the middle ages the feudal system in a country half barbarous is naturally productive of great anomalies in civil life the knowledge of pastimes is naturally growing less in all cases not of public record and the pastime of scotland is so unlike the present that it is already difficult for a scotchman to image the economy of his grandfather do not be tardy or negligent gather up eagerly what can yet be found footnote 
i have a valuable collection made by my father which with some additions and illustrations of my own i intend to publish i have some hereditary claim to be an antiquary not only from my father but as being descended by the mother's side from the able and learned sir john skene whose merit bids defiance to all the attempts which have been made to lessen his fame boswell End of footnote. we have i think once talked of another project a history of the late insurrection in scotland with all its incidents many falsehoods are passing into uncontradicted history Altaire, who loved a striking story has told what he could not find to be true you may make collections for either of these projects or for both as opportunities occur and digest your materials at leisure the great direction which burton has left to men disordered like you is this be not solitary be not idle which i would thus modify if you are idle be not solitary if you are solitary be not idle footnote burton in the last lines of the anatomy of melancholy says only take this for a corollary and conclusion as thou tenderest thine own welfare in this and in all other melancholy thy good health of body and mind observe this short precept give not way to solitariness and idleness be not solitary be not idle End of footnote. there is a letter for you from your humble servant samuel johnson london october the twenty second seventeen seventy nine Footnote. Johnson was in better spirits than usual. The following day he wrote, I fancy that I grow light and airy. A man that does not begin to grow light and airy at seventy is certainly losing time if he intends ever to be light and airy. End of footnote. To Dr. Samuel Johnson, Carlisle, November the 7th, 1779 my dear sir that i should importune you to write to me at chester is not wonderful when you consider what an avidity i have for delight and that the amor of pleasure like the amor numi increases in proportion with the quantity which we possess of it your letter so full of polite kindness and masterly counsel came like a large treasure upon me while already glittering with riches i was quite enchanted at chester so that i could with difficulty quit it but the enchantment was the reverse of that of circe for so far was there from being anything sensual in it that i was all mind i do not mean all reason only for my fancy was kept finely in play and why not if you please i will send you a copy or an abridgment of my chester journal which is truly a log book of felicity the bishop treated me with a kindness which was very flattering 
I told him that you regretted you had seen so little of Chester. His lordship bade me tell you that he should be glad to show you more of it. I am proud to find the friendship with which you honour me is known in so many places. I arrived here late last night. Our friend the dean has been gone from hence some months, but I am told at my inn that he is very populous, popular. However, I found Mr. Law, the archdeacon, some to the bishop, and with him I have breakfasted and dined very agreeably. I got acquainted with him at the assizes here, about a year and a half ago. He is a man of great variety of knowledge, uncommon genius, and, I believe, sincere religion. I received the Holy Sacrament in the cathedral in the morning, this being the first Sunday in the month, and was at prayers there in the evening. It is divinely cheering to me to think that there is a cathedral so near Affleck, and I now leave old England in such a state of mind as I am thankful to God for granting me. The black dog that worries me at home I cannot but dread. Yet, as I have been for some time past in a military train, I trust I shall repulse him. To hear from you will animate me like the sound of a trumpet. I therefore hope that soon after my return to the northern field I shall receive a few lines from you. Colonel Stewart did me the honour to escort me in his carriage to show me Liverpool, and from thence back again to Warrington, where we parted. Footnote. His regiment was afterwards ordered to Jamaica, where he accompanied it, and almost lost his life by the climate. This impartial order, I should think a sufficient refutation of the idle rumour that there was still something behind the throne greater than the throne itself. Boswell. Lord Shelburne, about the year 1803, likening the growth of the power of the crown to a strong building that had been raised up, said, The Earl of Bute had contrived such a lock to it as a succession of the ablest men have not been able to pick, nor has he ever let the key be so much as seen by which he has held it. End of footnote. In justice to my valuable wife, I must inform you she wrote to me that, as I was so happy, she would not be so selfish as to wish me to return sooner than business absolutely required my presence. She made my clerk write to me a post or two after to the same purpose, by commission from her. And this day a kind letter from her met me at the post office here acquainting me that she and the little ones were well, and expressing all their wishes for my return home. I am more and more, my dear sir, your affectionate and obliged humble servant, James Boswell. To James Boswell, Esquire, dear sir, your last letter was not only kind but fond, but I wish you to get rid of all intellectual excesses, and neither to exalt your pleasures nor 
aggravate your vexations beyond their real and natural state footnote boswell on january the fourth wrote to temple how inconsiderable are both you and i in comparison with what we used to hope we should be yet your learning and your memoirs set you far above the common run of educated men and subitore anch'io i too in several respects have attained to superiority but we both want solidity and force of mind such as we observe in those who rise in active life End of footnote. why should you not be as happy at edinburgh as at chester in culpa est animus we say non effugit usquam footnote for in the mind alone our follies lie the mind that never from itself can fly francis End of footnote please yourself with your wife and children and studies and practice i have sent a petition from lucy porter with which i leave it to your discretion whether it is proper to comply footnote requesting me to inquire concerning the family of a gentleman who was then paying his addresses to miss doxy boswell End of footnote. return me her letter which i have sent that you may know the whole case and not be seduced to anything that you may afterwards repent miss doxy perhaps you know to be mr garrick's niece if dean percy can be popular at carlisle he may be very happy he has in his disposal two livings each equal or almost equal in value to the deanery he may take one himself and give the other to his son how near is the cathedral to affleck that you are so much delighted with it it is i suppose at least an hundred and fifty miles off footnote it is little more than half that distance End of footnote. however if you are pleased it is so far well let me know what reception you have from your father and the state of his health please him as much as you can and add no pain to his last years of our friends here i can recollect nothing to tell you i have neither seen nor heard of langton beauclerc is just returned from brighthelmston i am told much better mr thrale and his family are still there and his health is said to be visibly improved he has not bathed but hunted Footnote. johnson wrote to mrs thrale on november the seventh my master i hope hunts and walks and courts the bells and shakes brighthelmston when he comes back frolic and active we will make a feast and drink his health and have a noble day End of footnote. at bolt court there is much malignity but of late little open hostility footnote. on november the sixteenth he wrote at home we do not much quarrel but perhaps the less we quarrel the more we hate there is as much malignity amongst us as can well subsist without any thought of daggers or poisons End of footnote. i have had a cold but it is gone 
make my compliments to mrs boswell etc i am sir your humble servant london november thirteenth seventeen seventy nine samuel johnson on november the twenty second and december the twenty first i wrote to him from edinburgh giving a very favourable report of the family of miss doxy's lover that after a good deal of inquiry i had discovered the sister of mr francis stuart one of his amanuenses when writing his dictionary that i had as desired by him paid her a guinea for an old pocket-book of her brother's which he had retained and that the good woman who was in very moderate circumstances but contented and placid wondered at his scrupulous and liberal honesty and received the guinea as if sent her by providence that i had repeatedly begged of him to keep his promise to send me his letter to lord chesterfield and that this memento like delenda est catago must be in every letter that i should write to him till i had obtained my object seventeen eighty i tart seventy one in seventeen eighty the world was kept in impatience for the completion of his lives of the poets upon which he was employed so far as his indolence allowed him to labour footnote he wrote to mrs thrale on april the eleventh you are at all places of high resort and bring home hearts by the dozens while i am seeking for something to say about men of whom i know nothing but their verses and sometimes very little of them now i have begun however i do not despair of making an end end of footnote i wrote to him on january the first and march the thirteenth sending him my notes of lord marchmont's information concerning pope complaining that i had not heard from him for almost four months though he was two letters in my debt that i had suffered again from melancholy hoping that he had been in so much better company the poets that he had not time to think of his distant friends for if that were the case i should have some recompense for my uneasiness that the state of my affairs did not admit of my coming to london this year and begging he would return me goldsmith's two poems with his lines marked his friend dr lawrence having now suffered the greatest affliction to which a man is liable and which johnson himself had felt in the most severe manner johnson wrote to him in an admirable strain of sympathy and pious consolation to dr lawrence dear sir at a time when all your friends ought to show their kindness and with a character which ought to make all that know you your friends you may wonder that you have yet heard nothing from me i have been hindered by a vexatious and incessant cough for which within these ten days i have been bled once fasted four or five times taken physic five times and opiates i think six this day it seems to remit the loss dear sir which you have lately suffered i felt many years ago and know therefore how much has been taken from you and how little help can be had from consolation 
he that outlives a wife whom he has long loved sees himself disjoined from the only mind that has the same hopes and fears and interest from the only companion with whom he has shared much good or evil and with whom he could set his mind at liberty to retrace the past or anticipate the future the continuity of being is lacerated the settled course of sentiment and action is stopped and life stands suspended and motionless till it is driven by external causes into a new channel but the time of suspense is dreadful footnote a writer in notes and queries points out that johnson writing to a doctor uses a doctor's language until very lately solution of continuity was a favourite phrase with english surgeons where a bone was broken or the flesh etc cut or lacerated there was a solution of continuity End of footnote. our first recourse in this distressed solitude is perhaps for want of habitual piety to a gloomy acquiescence in necessity of two mortal beings one must lose the other but surely there is a higher and better comfort to be drawn from the consideration of that providence which watches over all and a belief that the living and the dead are equally in the hands of god who will reunite those whom he has separated or who sees that it is best not to reunite i am dear sir your most affectionate and most humble servant samuel johnson january the twentieth seventeen eighty to james boswell esq dear sir well i had resolved to send you the chesterfield letter but i will write once again without it never impose tasks upon mortals to require two things is the way to have them both undone for all the difficulties which you mention in your affairs i am sorry but difficulty is now very general it is not therefore less grievous for there is less hope of help i pretend not to give you advice not knowing the state of your affairs and general counsels about prudence and frugality would do little good you are however in the right not to increase your own perplexity by a journey hither and i hope that by staying at home you will please your father poor dear beauclerc footnote he died march the eleventh seventeen eighty aged forty end of footnote nec ut soles dabis yoka footnote animula vagula blandula hospes comesque corporis quae nunca bibis in loca pallidula lerigida nudula nec ut soles dabis ioca adriani marientis ad animam suam poor little pretty fluttering thing must we no longer live together and dost thou prune thy trembling wing to take thy flight thou knowest not whither thy humorous vein thy pleasing folly lies all neglected all forgot and pensive wavering melancholy thou dreadst and hopest thou knowest not what 
in the spectator is a letter from pope to steele on these famous verses which the emperor adrian spoke on his deathbed End of footnote. his wit and his folly his acuteness and maliciousness his merriment and reasoning are now over such another will not often be found among mankind he directed himself to be buried by the side of his mother an instance of tenderness which i hardly expected he has left his children to the care of lady di and if she dies of mr langton and of mr lester his relation and a man of good character his library has been offered to sale to the russian ambassador Dr. Percy, notwithstanding all the noise in the newspapers, has had no literary loss. Footnote. By a fire in Northumberland House, where he had an apartment, in which I have passed many an agreeable hour. Boswell. End of footnote. Clothes and movables were burnt, to the value of about one hundred pounds, but his papers, and I think his books, were all preserved poor mr thrale has been in extreme danger from an apoplectical disorder and recovered beyond the expectation of his physicians he is now at bath that his mind may be quiet and mrs thrale and miss are with him having told you what has happened to your friends let me say something to you of yourself you are always complaining of melancholy and i conclude from those complaints that you are fond of it no man talks of that which he is desirous to conceal and every man desires to conceal that of which he is ashamed do not pretend to deny it manifestum habemus furem make it an invariable and obligatory law to yourself never to mention your own mental diseases if you are never to speak of them you will think on them but little and if you think little of them they will molest you rarely when you talk of them it is plain that you want either praise or pity for praise there is no room and pity will do you no good therefore from this hour speak no more think no more about them footnote in seventeen sixty eight on his birthday johnson recorded this day it came into my mind to write the history of my melancholy End of footnote. your transaction with mrs stuart gave me great satisfaction i am much obliged to you for your attention do not lose sight of her your countenance may be of great credit and of consequence of great advantage to her the memory of her brother is yet fresh in my mind he was an ingenious and worthy man please to make my compliments to your lady and to the young ladies i should like to see them pretty loves i am dear sir yours affectionately samuel johnson April the 8th, 1780. End of section 44.